Welcome to Out of Breath, where you'll embark on a no-holds-barred journey through the gritty realities of sleep apnea and sleep dentistry. Award-winning, board-certified otolaryngologist Dr. Madhan Kandula and best-selling author Jason Tierney pull no punches as they dissect the industry's flaws and triumphs, providing you with an unvarnished look at the dynamic and ever-evolving world of better sleep. I got a question for you. Yes. What do you think when you go into a medical office for, you know, I mean, a- any type of provider. Yeah. And the clinician is obviously unhealthy. Oh, themselves? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's concerning. It's, it, it's, an, it's, a, uh, it's a negative, like, ooh, okay, uh, the person isn't following whatever they're going to preach, likely. Possibly. I have a theory that like from a brand standpoint and you're a brand, I'm a brand, Abbott's a brand, you know, from a brand standpoint, brand standpoint, every interaction either adds to or subtracts from your uh, impression of that. And so that clinician who's themselves unhealthy, it's a notch down, like it's a, ooh, okay. Um, same thing if they're slovenly or the office is slovenly. Yeah. I'm super judgy though. So like, uh, you don't want me walking around, uh, anything that you, you are about. pretty judgy. I'm really judgy. Yeah. What's a food you absolutely will not eat. I eat everything. Uh, I don't, I will not head cheese. I don't even know what that actually is. Braunschweiger. What, what's what, what, it, what, what in them would be repulsing? It's, it's like some kind of ground up amalgamation of meats. Pretty much, if I don't know, my, my rule, the rule in my house as it relates to my kids, which I've now adopted, is if you don't know what it is, eat it. Because um, we travel a You time. adopted that rule or you adopted your kids? I adopted the rule and the kids wish they were adopted by someone, <laughs> by someone else, else because they're living on Braunschweiger. <laughs> no, because we, like, we, we travel all the time and it's like you go to these sort of, uh, it's usually like breakfast uh, and you're at this buffets and there's this thing yeah. and you know what it is and I'm like, I'm just going to put that on my plate. And the kid, yeah. it's good. It's good. I, I believe until they die from eating uh, drinking antifreeze, which you shouldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, if, if you don't know what that is, like, please don't. But anyway, but um, no, it's good. That's not medical advice, is it? Uh, don't drink antifreeze yeah. or or if you don't know what it is, eat it. Yes. Uh, the answer is yes. That, that is medical advice, isn't okay. it? So somehow. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about, you, you've talked about a few times, Advent. Yep. It's your, your clinics, your ENT clinics across mm. 20 locations my baby it's my fourth child yeah <laughs> yeah and when i was here in july you had 15 offices i think you were on the cusp of opening your 15th office yeah now you have 20 mm-hmm. so in five months you've increased by a third yeah your locations mm-hmm. that is a uh, monumental level of growth it is also which sounds really cool with it comes uh, some challenges. Yeah. To be able to do that, you've got to be a capable leader and you've got to have a competent team to lead. Mm-hmm. What sort of challenges? Actually, you shared on a previous episode that your clinicians don't always follow your own guidelines. Correct. Right? Yeah. So, Managing that level of scale mm-hmm. has to be challenging because managing a couple of clinicians in an office 
or a couple of team members in an office is enough of a headache. Sure. So just talk, it's, it's intentionally broad. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that a little bit. Um, there's a lot to tell it. Uh, well, yeah, me being a leader and, uh, having a capable team, the capable team is why we're doing what we're doing. Honestly, me being a leader at this point is, um, it's helpful. And I think at this point I'm most helpful by sort of being a, being judgmental, being, you know, sort of yeah, kind of helping to point to which direction we're kind of moving at this point. Um, and, but part of it is, I think the key to success for us and the key to, uh, I guess, my ability, my ability to lead is articulating with clarity, um, what, what, what's essential this, you know, how do we, ha how do we do certain things and, you know, what, what are the must have ones and what are the nice to have? So my clinicians, um, at Advent, I mean, how, the only way that Advent can be growing in the way that we're growing is that there's consistency within all of our clinics. And that's not normal within medicine. Uh, typically in medicine, um, every clinic clinician's their own artist and they're gonna do things their own way and so forth and so on. Um, so at Advent, we've got, we call it our proven clinical process. There is a methodology, a, a way that we'll treat our patients and that the core of that, it, you, if you're a clinician, you have to be following that. And there are other examples of that in other aspects of the organization. So that's kind of how we achieve, um, you know, kind of consistency, scale, growth. Um, and honestly, for me, you know, like we talked about it previously, purpose is what drives me. There are so many people out in the world who are suffering, in my opinion, need, needlessly suffering from conditions that there are simple solutions to treat. Mm -hmm. uh, oral appliance therapy is an example of one of those uh, options and, and treatments, but there are many others. And uh, at this point, it's just simply trying to connect the dots between them and them and potential solutions. So what challenges do you face? I think that was the question. They, uh, yeah, what challenges I mean, do we not on, face? On, I mean, a week, on a weekly basis, so you, 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 I would imagine you spend a lot of time in meetings every month? Yeah, sure. Right, so, so what are some of the, the topics that are covered there? I mean, before you answer that, I hear in dentistry, right? It, so, so dental service organiza organizations, DSOs, mm -hmm. You know, the, the sole practitioner looks at them and says, you're the bad guys. Sure. They emphasize standardization, yep. much like you're talking exactly. about. Correct. Reproducibility of processes and systems, and that's how they grow at the rate that they do. Yep. And it's a, I mean, it's, it's, it's a continually, it's, it's a rapidly accelerating trend in dentistry. Yep. So this person that's over here going, well, I am an artist, mm -hmm. or, you know, more than anything else. Um, they're getting left in the dust. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess from a, you, you asked about the challenges and the challenges are constant, uh, all coming in all directions. Um, I mean, the biggest challenge we have that I have that we'll continue to have is, is managing people. And, and so that's where, while DSOs and individual dentists and dentist's office are technically doing the same thing, it's really different things when you think about it. Um, and meaning that there is, I've not been part of a DSO, but I would assume there's, there's much more emphasis on standardization um, at the expense of individual free will. Now, you might ask from this person who just talked about individual free will and how important that is, how can I be now espousing um, this standardization? Um, and I'd say, because, uh, <laughs> how do you say this? Because I say it's good, it's good. No, because, <laughs> because it's, my, it's my way. It makes it no. Because um, 
I I do view this. I have a lot of analogies, but I, I view this as um, basically, if you kind of riff with me for a second, is in in you're in Phoenix or Scottsdale or you know in, in your in your town there are um, restaurants that are started by a chef and it's one place, and then there's McDonald's as a specific example or other Panera. You you pick it. I don't really care. They're both serving food to people. Um, the individual restaurant should be able, you know, from a pure um, quality of the food, taste of the food, they should be able to beat McDonald's as a specific example uh, every day of the week. Yet McDonald's serves billions of people and this restaurant here serves maybe dozens of people. Which one's better, which one's worse? Who deserves to exist? Who deserves to die? They can both exist. Um, and I, so I, I would, it's a weird thing for me to say. So at Advent, we have a, a, a powerful process that we can bring our patients through. In my opinion, it's, it's the best treatment process for breathing triangle issues that exists. Yeah. But an individual uh, theoretically should be able to, um, you know, I don't know how you say it, they have more control over the nuances in the treatment than, than, than I do sitting where I sit in my organization. So there's, it's, there's, I guess where I'm going is there's trade-offs. And for me, um, you know, why, when I kind of burn the boats, it, when I, why I was burning the boats is that I uh, know in my heart of hearts that um, expanding reach to the services that we offer is more important than my free will or my, my individual wants and needs are subservient to the needs of my patients. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, that's, and then you, 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 you sort of, that allows us to move in a forward direction. Let's go a little deeper though. And why I think this is important is managing people for example, mm -hmm. that you mentioned is one of the most challenging things, yeah. or if not the most challenging thing. Sure. And that's something that uh, clinicians face no matter where they're practicing or what discipline they're in. Sure. It's probably something that most businesses face. Absolutely. And your, your growth has been, your growth trajectory in this field has been pretty astronomical. And... I would, I would like to take a deeper dive into what issues you encounter with people management and how do you ensure as an organization that you're able to address those issues and keep growing? Yeah, I think as we've grown or what's allowed us to grow, part of that is having standard processes, not just for how we practice medicine, but for how we manage people for you know all important aspects of the organization that we've defined what sort of success looks like. And more recently, uh, this year in particular, there's we've, we're doing something that's called the, the culture of winning, which um, what that means is, yeah, so, yes. So, so obviously the acronym is COW. Uh -huh. And then earlier you, you shared one that was PCP. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I just like the idea of merging these two together somehow. I get you. I yeah. get you. Kyle's on PCP. Uh, yeah, that'd yeah. be interesting. So culture of winning. Culture of winning. Um, what's, what's the most important ingredient in the culture of winning is having a score, a scoreboard. So in my opinion, I'm, I always think in sports analogies, I've designed this entire business around kind of a sports mindset and, um, that's something that also translates really well to business and to people because people um, want to know if they are, uh, well, they may not want to know. They need to know if they're winning or losing. Mm -hmm. Are you winning or losing in your role? Are you, are you doing a good job or are we not? Um, 
And so that to me has been a very important aspect of things. It's not, it's, it's uncomfortable sometimes mm -hmm. when you have to have the conversations with people who aren't performing. Um, so taking what, what usually is subjective and making it objective. And so how can I take your performance and, and put it into a number or a couple numbers to say, Hey, you know, we, you know, we could do better or whatever the case may be. Give me this secret sauce there. What, what are those metrics? How are you measuring them and how often are you, how are you reporting on them? Well, it depends on, I mean, so basically, uh, there's a methodology to, um, I don't know how you best describe this to, to, um, are, is somebody for our clinicians, it's, are you following our clinical model? So new, when we see a new patient, there's sort of a, an, an understanding or expected flow through, you know, they need a CT scan to evaluate their sinus. There's a certain number of patients that usually go in that direction down to procedures or, or over in the throat category, sleep studies, um, you know, oral appliances, CPAP, all that kind of stuff. So it's just, it's basically being able to track that and gauge that compared to your peers and sort of seeing, okay, where, what, what, what are we seeing or what's different in this, with this provider or this clinic versus other clinics. That's something we've only been able to do at the size we're at. Previously, we, you could, you could try to do that. You could do it subjectively. You can kind of say, Hey, Joe, I, I'm not sure you're really following this. Let's, let's have a talk. At this point, we've gotten big enough where I can't know if Joe, I can't know subjectively if Joe gets it or not. So we need to be able to, to see into that. Mm -hmm. So that, that's at our size. And as we move forward, that's going to be a helpful, you know, sort of concept at smaller sizes. So I think most people who are listening are not, you know, running organizations of, of our size. So at an individual clinic, or say you have a, a few different clinics, how do you, you know, what's, what's the secret sauce there? It's very much this, it's very much the same, although theoretically it should be easier because you can, now you can use objective and subjective and um, measures and methods to kind of evaluate how somebody's performing. And mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing that, and I'm not, I have zero management training. I'm not a good manager. Uh, I, I, therefore I, I have people who have that that training or experience who are able to do that, um, and and um, that's crucial. And and I think and, and it is a very um, under um, cherished skill set. Doing something is hard. Managing somebody else or uh, or some buddies else doing something is is in many ways harder. So trying to get something done without putting your hands on it, like that's a really big challenge. Um, you know, picking it up is sort of the natural human tendency. And I have that tendency too, uh, if that makes sense. But that tendency, it's, it's kind of weird, especially in the dental community, which is similar to the mental, medical community, is that there's a, um, we cherish doers. Mm -hmm. I, you know, for, for a dentist who's, who's you know, seeing or has a, a great patient, uh, whatever you guys call it, roster, and is, is, is actually doing uh, high volume work, like that's great. That's a different skill set than a dentist that's overseeing a group of dentists or hygienists doing uh, work. That's, it's different. That's what I've had to force myself to do is, yeah. is to get uh, out of- And what's kind of unfortunate in that situation too is with a doer, mm -hmm. right? Then they expect their team to be doers. Sure. So as a result, everybody's just doing, doing. stuff. Correct. That doesn't really further the the, the business. Right. Absolutely. I mean, just it, produces and and that's it. And, and and there's a ceiling there. There is a ceiling. And there was um there's a book. It's called E Myth Revisited. Yes. That, that that was my epiphany. I read that book in 2015. Uh, when I read that, the book it basically just describes the entrepreneur's um, fate, which is basically the fate is eventually you create, if you're successful, if you're a successful entrepreneur, whether you're running a restaurant or a dental practice, 
you make you create a situation where there's so much volume and busyness that now you're a slave like you have to you are at the center of that and you've got to be you you got you're the only one who's who's capable of doing anything mm -hmm. and that's self-limiting so then mm -hmm. what ends up happening is you either burn out or you kind of check it down and then you kind of you know hover in this zone it's manageable yeah so yeah. For, for when i you know i read that book and i was like oh, okay that is my life right now and it wasn't a bad life it was more like but i've optimized what i can do as an individual mm -hmm. and then it was like okay how can i how can i do, how can I take what 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 is very what has been very successful and now grow it? Um, I, I don't even if grow is the right next thought in my head, but it's more of like how do I get myself out of prison mm -hmm. um, that, that I've created for myself? And then I read a book called Traction, which is about EOS, um, mm -hmm. which has actually become a big phenomenon mm -hmm. over time. That was the recipe to get out of prison for me. Um, that was the recipe for me in particular. I mean, for for anybody who's listening who uh, is looking for um, a simple methodology to um, whatever you want to call it, to move in a forward direction. Mm -hmm. That's a, it's a, it's a, it's very much similar to other things, but it's very, very actionable. And what Absolutely. it will force you to do is it will force you to um, define your vision. What is your, what is the vision? If, again, if, it's, we're, if we're talking to one dentist in one office is what is your vision? What, what, what are you here to do? Mm -hmm. uh, do you have the right people in the right seats? And, and you know, just those simple things are the things that, um, that, that make big things happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Both great books too. Agreed. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't have the right people in the right seats, yep. you have to be able to identify that you're, you're doing that with your, your COW mm -hmm. because you're objectively measuring their performance. But some of those people, when you incorporated that, they'd probably been there for some time. Sure. And some of those people scored low. Mm -hmm. What do you do? They're part of the culture. They're part of the team. They're like family. Right. And now you've got to coach them up or out. That's exactly, that's it. Up or out. And, and, but I, you can't, you can't, they're why? part of the family. No, I, that's where, and it is, I mean, and, and again, you know, comfort is the enemy of right. growth. And so yet, is it uncomfortable to uh, identify this sort of situation? Is it uncomfortable to up or out? you know, kind of thing. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Do most people choose to avoid it? Yep. Uh, if you avoid it, what's going to happen? You, well, you, your current fate is what you've just uh, decided. I, the, the, uh, the mantra uh, that has been um, in my head, I'll say for the last, we'll call it 18 months, probably two years, is all disappointment exists in the gap between expectations and reality. So on this indiv individual, it is getting crystal clear what, on what expectations are, getting crystal clear on an understanding of what we believe to be our, the current reality and getting crystal clear on what the delta is between current reality and expectations mm -hmm. and then figuring out what are we doing about that mm -hmm. um that to me and it sounds so simple but and maybe i'm just sort of overly enamored with it but it's almost a cheat code i've developed it's so simple for me to just keep that in the back of my head and so when i'm getting annoyed or frustrated all i just need to think about is okay so i'm am i disappointed am i frustrated what's going on here mm -hmm. were my expectations about whatever is unrealistic uh is reality true is there truly a gap here or not and then what am i doing about it am i am i going to lower my expectations that's about an option i'm going to keep my expectations but i'm going to now try to try to you know sort of close that yeah. gap so anyway but that once again puts the onus on the individual absolutely yeah yeah 100 percent
I mean, it has to be. It always is going to come back to an individual taking ind individual action. There is no magic. There is no secret sauce. There is no, um, I mean, I think EOS is a bit of magic because it's such a, um, a very straightforward way. I, I'm a big proponent of um, uh, organizations using something like that because it's a toolbox that you can use that it's just, if you do these things, you will be successful. Now, when I say do, you have to do them actually do them not consistently like, consistently over time over time and you can't just go through the motions you can't have you know avoid having that conversation about right people or right people right seats uh you can't avoid the conversations about you know get it one i mean i guess a lot of these concepts are there that this is just eos but get it one at capacity to do it so if you're in a, a position in my company um you know do you get it and when i say get it the hardest thing in a growing organization like advent is your job description today um, is going to change. So in 12 months from now, what the organization needs from you and your position is going to be entirely different. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to understand that and mm -hmm. think about that and think about, do you, do you truly get that? Do you get that concept? Yeah. Do you want it? Yeah. Because it's not necessarily, how do you say, it's not for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. And then I'd say, brutal honesty, do you have the capacity to do it? And mm -hmm. this isn't a me judging you, it's you judging yourself or us judging you. Yeah. That's hard stuff. And yeah. um, But it's also, it's hard stuff. But the reason I, I like sports and sports analogies so much is, that's the kind of hard stuff that is part and parcel with um, sports in general. It's it, because at the end of the day, it, it, in, my, in my opinion, there is nothing more beautiful in this world than a team of individuals coming together mm -hmm. to do something greater than any of those individuals could do by themselves. Mm -hmm. So as much as I cherish, and I do cherish the power of the individual, I cherish the power of the team so much more. And so we, we talked about Advent and we're growing and we're big and so forth and so on. And, and, and I'd say, it, for me to be part of an organization that's a powerful team as a whole, but it is made of a team of teams, and each of those teams mm -hmm. is simply trying to get better. My, every single one of my clinics is a team that's just trying to get better and do better for their patients. And now we have enough of those clinics that we can compare them to each other, and that's a beautiful thing. I have departments that are simply trying to be better. And um, that in my, my, I believe in my, my, what's my job these days? Yeah, I see patients sometimes. I lead the organization. That's great. Um, I what I'm here on this earth to do is to serve our patients, to unlock the potential in our patients. But actually, I believe my job on the earth right now is to unlock the potential of my the leaders in my organization, the people in my organization. And the way that you unlock potential is you set high bars and you do whatever you can to get somebody to achieve that high bar. Mm -hmm. The way you destroy individuals is you set low bars and you let them rot. Um, and in generally speaking in society today, we've set the bar so low as a society for our individuals that what we're seeing is what happens when people rot. Um, organizations, big and small uh, universities, that low, those, low bar, uh, those low bars are killing us as a society. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the nice thing with having an organization that's big and getting bigger is that in my little uh, small place piece of the world is we can create an existence that is, in my opinion, the way it should be done, which is a beautiful thing. And the best thing is we get to do it in service of others. That bar being so low mm -hmm. uh, in, in universities, you mentioned sure, in uh, many companies, mm -hmm. I think, you know, a, a real problem there then is, you know, when you're competing on a global scale or, you know, you're a, a dental practice, you're, you know, not literally global scale, but on, mm -hmm. on a grander scale and a DSO moves in up the street from you. 
Sure. What are you going to do? Right. I mean, there's because if you're not practicing any of these principles that, that are in these books that we've that we've discussed that you've mm-hmm. discussed, you're you're you don't have a chance, right? Oh, you got you have more power than that DSO has. Um, David and Goliath. That's all I'd say. David and Goliath. You know, the power of the individual. When I say individual, I mean individuals, but I also mean sort of ag- agile teams. Sure. So yeah, if you, uh, it's what I was saying before is like there is, you know, shame on you if you're running an office that is unable to compete with a true Goliath. A Goliath in me, in my opinion, is an organization that's like a behemoth that acts and thinks like a behemoth, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion, and I'm, I could be wrong and I'm definitely biased, Advent is not a Goliath. We're big, we're getting bigger, but we are David and we have that mindset and we've had that mindset since day, since day one. So to me, it's a, I mean, I don't know how you say it. At the end of the day, there are, um, there are a lot of... Everybody who's walking around in this country is going to need, you know, some aspect of dental care. And, um, you know, if I were that DSO, what I'd be afraid of are the Davids out there who are out, who are definitely going to be more agile than we're going to be able to be, Mm -hmm. are going to definitely be able to be more outside the box thinkers and doers than Mm -hmm. we're going to be able to be, are going to be definitely going to be able to be, have a much more, um, uh, person to person relationship that we're going to be. So you should, you should you know, destroy those DSOs yeah. by your individual power. That's yeah. what I'd recommend. There, there's actually a section in the book that I wrote mm-hmm. on this very topic where I use the David and Goliath analogy. Yeah. I spoke with a dentist that uh, trained DS, a DSO yeah. to incorporate sleep. Right. And they've got a hundred practitioners or whatever they had and never really took off. I mean, sure. the, the vault um, to uh, uh, differentiate themselves with, with sleep in particular, mm-hmm. uh, sets them in a unique position where they should win every time. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I a hundred percent agree. And, uh, you know, I think again, part of with what we're doing as we grow is part of my job is to make sure we stay David. Um, yeah. Amazon, I think they still have this thing is, is day one, mm-hmm. which is Jeff Bezos attempt to say, you know, it's always, you, if you keep that day one mindset, um, it's powerful. If you can stay David and, and build yourself up to a Goliath, um, sort of, uh, capacity mm-hmm. that's powerful. And yeah, I would be, how do you say that, that that's, that's fierce and that's, uh, worthy and honorable. And that's what I'm trying to do in my organization. But yeah, a typical DSO, um, there's nothing, I don't have, there's nothing. I mean, again, I just go back to my, you know, food analogies. Yeah. It's, it's just, there's a need for there's McDonald's. A need for that. It's yeah. fine. It, and I guess I, I think it is, uh, it, it's not, uh, it's not worth somebody's time to sit there and worry about, um, Oh, they're going to come in and what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. just focus on the patients that are in front of you, patient, yeah. focus on the people that you can get in front of you, yeah. do a good job on those, those individuals. And you're going to do just fine. Control what you can control. Absolutely. Be focused, mm-hmm. do the right thing, keep at it. And you're going to win. And, uh, you know, David and Goliath, David in some ways is, is the black sheep. And that's really what mm-hmm. we're talking about. We're talking about doing what needs to be done, regardless of what the herd is telling you, regardless of what school taught you. Sure. You know, we're looking at the real world and what the needs are in front of you and your community. Yeah, and, and using the weapons that you have. I mean, that, that, in my, it's like, Dave, how did David bring, bring Goliath down? He did it with his, his slingshot, which doesn't seem like it's a powerful weapon, but it is when it's wielded by somebody who knows how to, to, how to use that slingshot. So using what you have. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the other thing, and I, I mean, I guess there's a lot of people, these, you know, I think about universities, I think about how I was trained. I think there's, there's education 
that's out in the world. It's, it's nice. It's great. But there's, then there's the real world. You, you kind of sit in these ivory towers, you get all this stuff. I'm, and I'm sure dental school is the sure, same sure. thing. And then you go out in the world and then it's, uh, no, this is different. And I think the nice thing about the, the age that we live in, the wonderful, glorious thing about the, the age that we live in is the access to information has never been easier. And so honestly, for me and my organization, like everything I've learned uh, from a business standpoint, I've learned it from listening to podcasts, reading, reading books, studying. I think the other key to success, I mean, a growth mindset is, 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 is necessary, mandatory, but then, uh, the quest for knowledge information, uh, is powerful. Um, that is a, I don't know, it's a, it's a trainable skill set. Some people may have a more of a natural, natural inclination or not, but I'll guarantee you how to lose, which if you want to lose, stop growing, stop learning. If I guarantee you, I won't guarantee that you win by learning and, and trying to grow, but I'll guarantee you that you're going to do the best, you know, the best that you can do. Take someone in any position you pick it at, at your office Mm -hmm. or at one of your offices and they're a C level performer, sure. yep. right? FD, CBA, mm-hmm. they're a C level performer. Can any of your managers, leaders in the organization, can they take that person from a C to an A? Um, unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. Can they take them from C to a B? Still unlikely, but more possible. Yeah. 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 I, I have this in, in my experience leading teams you could take people up like one letter grade, mm-hmm. but that's about it. Yeah. You, you know, you, whether it's the Peter principle, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, Dunning Kruger, whether, it, whether it's just ego True. or even really just competency. I, I used to work with this guy, couldn't stand the guy. <laughs> yeah. But every once in a while, I would assign a, a task to someone and they would drop the proverbial ball. Mm-hmm. And this guy would, you know, when I'd share with him my frustration, he'd say, you know, that person is never going to be able to dunk the basketball. Mm. They're just, you know, they're five foot five. They're never going to be able to dunk the basketball. Sure. So it's your fault. This frustration is your fault. You know, you shouldn't dish, dish that person the ball. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, I mean they're never gonna they're never gonna bump, I think you can bump them up a letter grade, never two letter grades. I mean people have capacity for change. Sure, it's it's rare that someone has that sort of second order mm-hmm. change. Yeah, uh, you know they found God, you know or <laughs> right. whatever it might be. But uh, people can change, but uh, they have it or they don't, and sure. you can coach it out of them. But if they, you know if they don't have it, if, if, yeah, that's it. But I, 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 I absolutely agree. Okay. I mean, to me, that's a sort of the C and the get, GWC, get it, want a capacity to do it. Although I'd say, you know, it, I mean, it's a fool's errand to try to, you know, make something, somebody into something that can't be. But uh, some of my happiest moments are, are basically taking somebody who's, what, let's say a C player and giving them the tools to, to, and the tools are, it, it, it could be, you know, sort of a conversation or coaching. It, it could simply be, uh, uh, for me, it, how, how I'm thinking about it is a process that works. So like in our organization, I, I keep going back to this proven clinical process. 
I'm not calling my provider C players, but I'm just simply saying that you take, it's almost there in, in football, there's something called a system quarterback, which is somebody that's eh, kind of average, but you put them in a system that works and that eh, average can win a Super Bowl uh, versus you have, you know, superstar quarterback, you put them on, you know, sort of an average team, they're never going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's, that, that is that kind of back to kind of where I was going. I think um, having, having that sort of true team that's coming together Sometimes that team, the, the, the most beautiful thing that can happen is a team that will take an individual player whose sort of capabilities are, they, they don't know, they're not Michael Jordan, they're not dunking, but it's like, what can you do to help us here? And then let's figure out a way to get you doing that thing. Uh, I'm, I don't know why I'm thinking about Dennis Rodman when I'm thinking about that. <laughs> Somebody who didn't play basketball, uh, I think he's in the, in the Hall of Fame for doing the stuff that nobody else could do. Was he the player that Michael Jordan was? No. Of course um, did he allow Michael Jordan to win championships? Absolutely. Um, so there's there's stuff that, that Dennis Rodman can do, could do, um, that Michael Jordan could never do um and together they dominated um and you know that that to me is a beautiful thing i think that the challenge is that to me the key what's the okay what, what what's the key there you have to in this example you have to have somebody who understands the power of the team who wants to be be a part of that if you have an individual to me poison is is having an individual who has low capacity um and is I incapable of being a team player mm -hmm. that is somebody at least i'll just speak for my organization mm -hmm. that is somebody uh you need to go um, you cannot be here. Uh, and if we didn't, and shame was on us for not identifying that. Um, yeah, you've you got know, to be able to answer. discern someone being um, a critical thinker and, and trying to poke holes mm -hmm. and look at this from all angles yeah. versus someone who really is just toxic and is a naysayer. Sure. Yeah, and those toxic, I mean, the nice thing, again, we get kind of back to these. these just, just real quick, sure. I think, I, because I think oftentimes in, in a small business, mm -hmm. people look at someone uh, the business owner, leader, practice owner can look at someone who, who is, um, an iconoclast as, as being someone who's not on board sure. when what they're really doing is they're providing potentially a huge amount of value to be able to improve the organization. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think, um, I was just thinking like for us, when we were smaller, there were individuals that did great work that really showed that they were incapable of being a team player. And you know, what, 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 what went from a sort of an individual, when you're in a small practice, you can kind of, it it's a very much a family feeling and, and you can kind of allow for a little bit of whatever, um, you know, sort of a variety of different ways of doing things. But, you know, I think back to that team concept, if somebody's, you know, as we got a little bit bigger is identifying those individuals and it's simply like, like this isn't going to work in a move forward direction, which is really hard. Um, but I, I know for folks who are in small practices, um, that there's almost like this natural cage that gets created from a, uh, to go from where they are, if they want to grow, they're going to have to sort of let go of some people yeah. or, you know, and move on. Yeah. And, um, it's hard back to, that's hard. That's not comforting. That's, yeah. that's a very, very uncomfortable kind of a concept, but it's at the end of the day, it, it depends on what you want to do. Um, but if, if, if growth is, um, and, and growth is, I mean, we talk about growth and we talk about, I mean, Advent's growing, that's great for us, but growth is not, should not be the, 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 uh, growth is a very uncomfortable place to be. And I would not recommend it. It is not for the faint of heart. Um, mm -hmm. and so, if, and, and so there's sort of, 
lifestyle businesses, nothing wrong with a lifestyle business. I would be miserable in lifestyle business. Mm -hmm. I was sort of kind of part of a lifestyle business. That ain't for me. Um, you know, so for me, growth is, it's not, uh, growth is, is a mandatory thing for me. And so, you know, fortunately, unfortunately it, that becomes that way for the organization. But I, I mean, again, I feel like in this, in, in, there's this mindset of if you have one office and that's your choice, that there's something wrong with that. No, I, I guess I'd say no. If that's your choice and you're very make, making a conscious choice, congratulations yeah. and have a happy life. And that's a one, it's great, but yeah. But don't complain then about the person around the corner that has 20 offices. Yeah. Don't well, complain about how you, you would do this and you would do that if only this and that and all these contingencies. If you, if you, if you secretly harbor a desire to be those others, They've done it. You can do it. I agree. I mean, I agree both ways. But yeah, either you you you're making a choice in your life, and and uh, you know deal with the consequences of the choices that you make. Yeah. And yeah, it, it it's sort of uh, it's I think it's just human nature to do that thing where it's just envy is uh, a deadly sin. I think <laughs> I think it's on that list. Um, I think it's one of the seven dwarfs. <laughs> is it seven dwarfs? It could be. Most dopey, know. droopy, sleepy, and envy. envy. Yeah, he's the coolest one. <laughs> Probably he's got he's got the tattoos all over his skull. He's got the skull tattoos. Um, but envy, uh, yeah, envy is it, it, it's a natural human. I mean, those sadly, sad, those we all have those tendencies. It's just understanding, you know, sort of um, you know where they come from. And um, I mean, at the end of the day, I'd say you know focus on what you're doing and and do it well. And you know. Um, keep up the good work. I, I don't know what you, what you want to call it, but yeah. Well, there's no I in team. T-E-A. Yeah, you're right. There is no I in team. But there is an I in I gotta go. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll see ya. Adios. Adios. Next week on Out of Breath. So what's different between Advent and a cult? It's probably the same ingredients. <laughs> Better leadership. 